I want to speak to you on the need to protect your heart. In the book of Proverbs chapter 4, we're going to read verse 23. And I want to see one portion of this verse in Proverbs as I speak to you on the need to protect your heart. Protecting your heart is very important. And I, I'm going to see how I'll present this today. Because sometimes I try to teach, but then I, I flip over to the side of preaching. But I want to try to teach. To teach is to explain, to preach is to proclaim. So I'm going to try to teach and, and, and talk slowly so that everyone here will get something. I want you to leave this service today with a substance. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence. The word keep here is the same as protect. Everyone say protect. So we can read it this way. Protect your heart with all diligence. To keep your heart is to protect your heart. That is the reason why I read this because my theme or my, my topic is protecting your heart. Protect your heart with all diligence. In other words, you cannot slack. You cannot let your God down. When it comes to protecting your heart, it must be one of your ultimate priorities in life. In actual fact, it is the ultimate priority to protect your heart, to keep your heart. Notice what it says. It says, for out of your heart flows the issues of life. But I need you to understand that nothing flows out until something flows in. That is the reason it says to protect your heart with all diligence. The word diligence is the same as vigilance. Protect your heart with all vigilance or with all diligence. The reason why he says to do so is because nothing comes out if nothing has gone in. What comes out of your life, what comes out of your heart, is what got into your heart. Nothing flows out until something flows in. That is the reason why you must protect your heart because what flows in will determine your life. Did you hear what I just said? What goes in will come out. It is not what a man eats that defiles the man. It is what comes out of the heart of the man. That is what defiles the man. So protecting your heart it's very, very important. Can someone say amen? amen? So when the Bible says keep your heart, it means protect your heart. But notice it says with all diligence or with all vigilance. If you think about a security guard who is protecting a family, this security guard cannot go to sleep. If he goes to sleep, something bad might happen to the family. Is that correct? The guy is not standing at the gate for nothing. He's standing at the gate to protect the entire family is standing at the gate to fight off any intruder. Is standing at the gate to fight off any enemy that would try to break into this family and wreak havoc. 
That is the reason why you employ a security guard to protect your family. And if you find out this guy is asleep on his job, you will have to fire this guy because he is not on top of his game. A lot of believers are not on top of their game. You've got to understand that there are things that will try to get into your heart to mess you up. If you don't protect your heart, things will get in. And when they do, they are going to mess you up. Did you hear what I just said? They will mess you up if you let them come in. They will mess you up if you let them go into your heart. Today, my focus as I speak on this subject is offense. Everyone say offense. In my number of years as a pastor, I have never seen anything take people out like offense does. Never. In all the years I've been a pastor, I've never seen anything take people out or take people out like offense. People fall into different kinds of sin. But I've discovered that even when people fall into different kinds of sin, that they are restorable. That you can actually redeem them. You can help them. But when they are caught in the web of offense, it is almost impossible to win them back. Almost impossible. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and verse 19, notice what it says. I'll read from the KJV. It says, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Look at this in the Passion Translation. I like the way the Passion Translation puts it. It says it is easier to conquer a strong city than to win back a friend whom you have offended. It says their walls go up, making it nearly impossible to win them back. It's easier to win a strong city than to win back a brother who is offended. Because what they do is the moment they take offense, they build a wall around them. And they think to themselves, I'm building this wall to protect myself from this person. But the wall they build becomes their prison. That is the deception of the enemy. Build a wall around you so that nobody hurts you again. Build a wall around you to push them out. But what they fail to understand, the same walls you build around you becomes your prison. And that is what the devil does. And people come up with all these concepts and all these ideas... And it's all about protecting themselves. The moment you start thinking about protecting yourself, you become self-centered. God does not want you to be self-centered. Did you hear what I just said to you now? You're building a wall to protect yourself, but the wall you build to protect yourself will eventually become your prison. 2012... A pastor said to me, I want you to please talk to my people on the subject of forgiveness. And I said, okay, I'll do that. It was just one night of meeting. 
I said, okay, I'll do that. I'll talk to your people on the subject of forgiveness. And But before I got there, the Holy Spirit said to me, approach it differently. I want to say differently. Approach it differently. Yes, I, I understood what the pastor wanted me to do. But the Holy Ghost said, approach it differently. The Holy Ghost said, I want you to deal with the root. Not with the branch. A lot of times, people tend to deal with the branch and not with the root. And if you don't deal with the root, the branches will keep growing. And it will keep bearing fruit. You've got to deal with the root. And so I said, okay. The Lord said, the root is offense. Yes, the pastor wanted me to talk about forgiveness. But you can't talk about forgiveness until you talk about offense. In actual fact, there is nothing like forgiveness or unforgiveness until offense has happened. Did you hear me? So the Lord said, talk about offense. Talk about the root. Let, let's go down to the, to the root. Let's go down to the real issue. The real issue is not, I forgive you or I have something. The real issue is offense. Something happened before we talk about forgiveness. Something happened before we talk about unforgiveness. So go down to the root and deal with the root. And so I went up there to the pulpit, gave me the microphone, and for the next 45 minutes or 50 minutes, I just talked about offense in different areas of life. And when I was done, and that was my first time at the church, by the way. I had never even met the pastor. I didn't even know him from Adam. But someone had introduced uh, me to him, and he said, come talk about forgiveness. I was actually passing through town. <laughs> and uh, preached on, on offense, or taught on offense. Do you preach offense? You teach offense. <laughs> Talked on offense, and gave him back the microphone. And the moment he took the microphone, the first thing, really, the first thing that came out of his mouth is, I don't know this man. He said to his church, I don't know this man. I've never met this man. So I need you guys to know that I have not told him anything about anybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the first thing he said when he came back to the pulpit and took the microphone. He said, I don't know this man. I have never met this man. Everything that he has said today is what is happening in the church. But I need you to know I did not tell him anything. And honestly, I had not met this man. The first day I met him was the day I walked into the church. Because someone had visited from, the, actually the church is in London. Someone had visited from London, came here and, and was excited and we connected. And he introduced me to the pastor. And when I went to the UK, the pastor said, preach on forgiveness. And when I began to touch this subject... I mean, people were blown away. They were shocked. How come he's talking about everything that's happening in our church? So the pastor had to come up and he had to clarify to the people that he did not meet me before the service. He did not tell me anything. So he needed them to know that I did not have secret, private information about whoever is doing whatever in the church. But by the Holy Spirit, I touched the stuff that was happening in the church. You know, when you flow in the Spirit, you will read people's mail. So I read the mail of the church. And so the pastor had to tell them that um, he did not tell me anything. 
But praise God, it was a blessing to them. But notice, you know, somewhere, somewhere in you as a preacher, you get excited because, well, I follow the Holy Spirit. Because the man told me to preach on forgiveness, and the Holy Ghost said, preach on what? Pardon? Offense. So I got excited. Praise God. I followed the Holy Spirit, and the message worked. I was excited. I was blessed when the pastor said those words. It blessed me. But listen now. Listen. Listen carefully. It took me, I guess, was several months later when I began to also realize that whether I follow the Holy Spirit or not, with regards to the subject of offense, I can go to any church anywhere in the world and preach on offense. And if I give an altar call for those that are offended, maybe 20% or 50% of the church will respond. Because in every church, there are people that are offended. I did not say in some churches. I said in every church, you will find people that are offended, people that are disgruntled, people that are jaded. You will find people. There are people in every single church. I don't care how great the pastor is. I don't care how great the leadership is. Even if Jesus was the pastor, people will still be offended. There is no church that's free from this stuff. Not one church. Not one church. You can take my word and you can, you can find out from churches all over the world. Not one church is free. Not one church. Not one in the world. Not one. No matter how great the pastor is. I mean the pastor might even be spitting fire. The most anointed man of God. It does not matter. Because even when Jesus was here on earth as pastor and as the prophet and as the apostle and as the evangelist and as the teacher. Guess what? People were offended with Jesus. Some people think if Jesus was my pastor, I would not be offended. Give me a break. If Jesus was your pastor, you will be offended with Jesus. If it is in you, you will manifest. Is it not interesting that Jesus would preach and people would take offense at his message? Is it not interesting that Jesus would do a mighty work of miracles, heal somebody, and people took offense at Jesus? Is it not interesting that Jesus would do some things that people did, thought was not right? But who are you to tell Jesus this is not right? But you see, people always have their own opinion on how things should be done. Especially people that have never been in ministry, never done ministry. They always have opinion of how a pastor should run a church. Of how a businessman should run his business. And they've never done no business. I'm telling you, people will, if you look for a reason to be offended, you will find. Because we, we live with people that are not perfect. So you will find in actual fact, you don't have to look too far. If you want to be offended, you will be offended. But the Bible tells us there in Proverbs chapter 4 that we must endeavor to keep our hearts clean. It's getting quiet in this church today, my God. I'm hitting the right subject today. When it gets quiet like this, you know you're preaching the right message. 
Because sometimes people jump around and scream around and speed around and roll around. And, uh, uh, but then they, they leave with nothing. But when you're preaching a message like this, and you, you're touching the right spot. And it's, it's becoming very uncomfortable now. And I understand that. It's okay. I'm bringing the message so that I'll make you uncomfortable. Because in this uncomfortability, change will happen. I understand. Not everybody like this. But it's the word of the Lord. I thought someone would say amen. amen. Maybe a good amen would, would encourage me. Someone say a good amen. amen. So I know you are still in the house. You will always find people. Don't, don't be deceived to think because they, they dress well, they look cute, this, they, everything is fine. When you begin to touch the right spot, people open up. And you would realize that something has been sitting there for six months. Oh, yeah. But uh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. They shout, lift your hands, and behave as if nothing is wrong. The Bible even wants us to be careful so that the, the root of bitterness does not spring up from us. Because it says if it does, it will pollute many. When you take offense and you keep offense, it eventually turns into the root of bitterness. And when it turns into a root of bitterness, it is more difficult to deal with. That is the reason why I propose to people that if you are offended, deal with it. Deal with it. How do you deal with it? You talk to the person who offended you. You put it on the table, you deal with it. Don't sweep it under the carpet and behave as if it didn't happen. Because 20 years from now, 10 years from now, 1 year from now, it will bite you big time. Deal with it. Put it on the table. Deal with it. Trash it out. My God, I'd rather be in a room and box with you and come out with hugs and kisses. You understand what I mean by that? I'd rather be in the room, lock the door, let's box. And let's deal with this stuff. Let's face it. And let's get it out. But when we're coming out of the room, we are hugging. And we are friends. And we are blessed. Come on now, say amen. amen. And we, we are coming out of the room totally free. Totally set free. Totally delivered. That thing is not going to follow me to the next day. But no, people bury it. People bottle it up. People keep it in. And, and then before you know anything, if you're not careful, you begin to tell other people about it. Oh, yeah. If the cat feels that his forest robbed the wrong way, let the cat turn around. Somebody will get that next month. <laughs> if the shoe fits, thank you. No, be, because if, you, if you're not careful, if you don't protect your heart, the, the devil will mess your heart up. That's why I'm preaching this. That's why I said to you, in this number of years as a pastor, I have not seen anything take anyone out like offense. 
it as the worst of all sins. People fall into all kinds of whether it's sexual or all kinds of moral stuff. And you can redeem them. You can help them come back. You can restore them. The moment it's offense. In actual fact, when you begin to talk to them, it just seems as if you're talking to a wall. You can't even get to them because notice what the Bible says there. That he builds a wall around him. He builds a high tower. He builds a high wall around him. You can't get in. He builds it to protect himself, but the wall he builds becomes his what? Prison. You can't get in. You talk, but it bounces back. It bounces back. It bounces back. You can't really get to them. Because at this stage, they probably flipped over to the place of deception. And you know one thing about deception? It's deceiving. You are deceived, but you think you're right. That's why people that are offended will quote scriptures. They'll quote scriptures. They'll give you verses. Why? They cannot continue relationship with that person. They'll tell you that I'm not a footmat. I'm not a doormat. The fact that I'm a Christian does not mean you're going to treat me like that. If your right eye causes you to offend, pluck it out. That's the quote that scripture. The quote the scripture. If your right hand causes you to sing, cut it off. So I'm cutting off that person. I'm, I'm plucking out that, uh, that. I'm not going to deal with this for my own sake. But let me say this to you. There are some relationships you can cut off. There are some people you can pluck out. They are there in your life. You will learn with them. And you will learn by them. And you will learn through them. The Lord will allow some people into your life to, to show you who you are. To, to reveal you to you. And to see what you're going to do about it. Am I going to run away? I'm going to confront it and change. Come on now, shout praise the Lord. Because some people don't want to deal with nothing. They are so insecure. The moment there is an argument, no, I'm not going to touch that. I'm not. They're running away from everything. They're running away from every opportunity that God presents to bring a change in their lives. And they wonder why they're not growing. They wonder why they're not getting over that. How can you get over that when you're not confronting your, your Goliath? That's your Goliath. David confronted his Goliath. That's your mountain. Confront that mountain and deal with it. And get it out of the way. Because every time you deal with that thing. You grow and you get to a whole new level in the things of God. The anointing increases upon your life. You walk in the things of the spirit like never before. You become a man that's mature. A woman of character. But every time you run away from it, you're not taking responsibility. And one of the ways to grow, whether it's in the spiritual things or whether it's in the natural things, is by taking responsibility. Have you realized that the more responsibility you take, the more you grow? I was a Bible school student, and some of the things I was taught, I can tell you I was a good student, but I did not fully understand everything that I was taught. But when I became an instructor in the Bible school... My knowledge began to grow. I just began to see, wow, this is what I was taught. I didn't understand it then, but now I know it. Because the more responsibility you take, the more you grow. 
Sometimes offense happens because of conflict of opinion. Do you understand what I mean by that? It's just, just conflict of opinion. As I'm going to get to different areas of offense, but let me go ahead of myself a little bit. At one time, I said, my wife and I were talking, and I said to my wife, I said, I said, we will disagree. We will. But with the reason we disagree is because we see this thing from different angles. That's why we disagree. We disagree because we don't see this thing the same way. That is what I mean by conflict of opinion. Your opinion is totally different from mine. But I am not against you. I don't believe in what you see. Does not mean I am against you. Because I don't see it as yellow. I see it as blue. What's the problem with that? It's okay to express my opinion. But we shouldn't fight over that. Come on now, say amen. amen. No, think about it. If everyone talked the same and everyone looks the same, this would be a miser miserable world. Allow us to express what we believe, but we do express it with respect and honor. Can someone say amen? amen? So, yes, we will disagree, but we will not fight over the disagreement. Because in actual fact, the stuff we disagree about is not really relevant in comparison to our relationship. Oh, come on now. Sometimes people fight over the stupidest thing. It's yellow. It's blue. It's yellow. No, it's blue. If you don't agree it's blue, I'm going to punch you in the face now. You, 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 that, is, that is so childish. We don't have to fight because we do not agree that this thing is blue. Conflict of opinion. Sometimes offense happens not just because of conflict of opinion, but because of misconception. Sometimes the things you say is misconstrued. It's misunderstood by the other person. And when they misunderstand or misconstrue what you say, it breeds offense. But that is the reason why communication is important. Because with communication, you get clarity. You need to ask, what do you mean? Not go off. Blah, 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 blah. Just ask, what do you mean? Because sometimes what they mean is not expressed perfectly. Oh yeah, sometimes what they truly mean, the purity of your heart is really not exposed when they speak or when they act or when they write. Are you listening to me? So you need to ask, what do you really mean? And you've got to ask with the right attitude. There is a way to say good morning and there is a way not to say good morning. Somebody gets that, right? 
So that's why communication is important. Sometimes it's conflict of opinion. That's why the misunderstanding or that's why, sorry, the offense happens. Sometimes it's misconception. So I, I want to say to you today, the opportunity to be offended is inevitable. You can't avoid offense. But you can decide not to take one. I'm not going to take it. Not that easy though. Especially when the person is on purpose trying to offend you. Not that easy though. It's easy to say Galatians 5 <laughs> verse 19 working the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. It's easy to quote scriptures when the going is good. Mm. Have you noticed that all this stuff we talk about, to be very honest with you, are not necessarily applicable when everything is fine. Mm. It's when the going gets tough. It's when there is disagreement. It's when there is misunderstanding. That's when we know whether this thing works in your life or not. Submission is not submission until we disagree. <laughs> Don't tell me I submit to you because you're my pastor, you're my husband, or you. No, when we disagree, show me. That's when you. That's when you show me. You, you when everything is fine. Ah, uh, you don't nothing. That's not submission. That's not submission. It's when I disagree with you. Then let me see. <laughs> Let me see. It's the kid is submitting there. <laughs> Who understands what I'm talking about this morning? Praise, the Lord. praise God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It, that's when we know. But is it not important to understand that God is giving us the opportunity I told the students yesterday when I was teaching, uh, I've been teaching for the last seven weeks, right? On thoughts, thoughts on stewardship in the Bible school. And I made a comment yesterday. And, and I said, it, it, God is not trying to know you. God knows you. But you don't know yourself. So you notice, notice what God will do. God will put you in a position where you truly know who you are. <laughs> where you truly know the condition of your heart. And the reason he does that is because he wants you to have the opportunity to make the adjustment. God's not trying to know you. God knows you already. You know what I'm saying? But you don't know yourself. Remember, remember this woman who came to, the Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus and said, he, he was, she was begging Jesus and said, uh, uh, please help me, my, my daughter is tormented. Right? Please help me, help me. And, and Jesus kept pushing the woman away. In actual fact, Jesus did not respond to her. Help me. Did not even respond. Finally, Jesus said, 
how can I give the children's bread to dogs? Now, this is where people get religious now. Well, Jesus did not mean she was a dog. Jesus was not referring her, referring to her as a dog. No, it was, a, it was an idiomatic expression. Let me know. Listen, it was no idiomatic expression. Jesus called the woman a dog. And all my years as a pastor, I have never called anyone a, <laughs> yeah, a dog. Never. I've never called, I've never, I can tell, I can guarantee you, I've never called anyone here a dog. Never. Never. That's why I told you, if Jesus was your pastor, you know, people don't, people don't really, they read the Bible, but they don't really see Jesus. They read the Gospels, but they don't really see Jesus. They read the gospel with their religious spectacles. You've got to take off your religious spectacles and read the gospels and see Jesus. He called her a dog. That's, that's the time the woman should say, how come? How come this one is the son of God? Who, who, who anointed this one? How can this be a leader? What kind of a leader is this? How dare he call me a dog? How dare he? What does he have? These pastors, man. These church leaders, so full of themselves. The woman had a good reason to be offended. But she did, she did not take offense. You know what she said? She said, Lord, <laughs> yes, I am a dog. But dogs eat the crumbs. That fall from their master's table. Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has brought you the miracle. Your faith has given you what you're asking for. God will offend your heart to expose your mind. Or God defend your mind to expose your heart. And there are so many ways that God will do it. He will on purpose poke you. To see what you would say. To see how you will act. Someone say God help me. <laughs> Hannah. Went to Shiloh. She was asking for a child. She prayed and she prayed and she prayed. And the Bible says that her lips moved. But no word was coming out of her mouth. 
And Eli, the high priest, the pastor, came to her and said, Woman, put away your alcohol. What a time to be offended. What kind of a pastor is this that cannot see I'm praying? Put away your drinking. This woman was not drinking. This woman was praying. Now she has a reason to leave church. She has a reason to say, I'll never go back to that temple. This Eli is so insensitive. What kind of a priest is this? Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me that way. You know what I mean? You know, you know how it relates to us? You know how it relates to you? Somebody say, I know. Oh, yeah, you do. We all do. Understand what I'm talking about? This is not a strange message. Listen to her response. Like the Syrophoenician woman. My Lord. Right in the midst of this. What you might call. Wrong accusation. Disrespect insensitivity, right in the midst of that. Listen to what the woman said. She said, my Lord, your handmaid is not drunk, but I'm only pouring out my heart to God. And the high priest said, may the Lord do for you what you've asked. She would have missed it. Yes, the man at the time was not necessarily in the perfect will of God. But don't forget he was the anointed high priest. <laughs> the words he spoke meant something. The woman was blessed. Are you listening to me? The woman was blessed. Just think about it. If she had a bad attitude and she had said to the high priest, what kind of a priest are you? What do you think the priest would have said? She would have attracted judgment upon herself instead of blessing. It is at times like that, people, that we need to dig deep into the spirit and pull out the right response. It is at times like that, when we feel we've been unfairly treated, that we need to dig deep, deep. That's why I said earlier on, to the flesh, this is not easy. But to those who have put off the flesh, they walk in the spirit. Because to the spirit man, it's easy. To the flesh, carnality, it's difficult. 
That is why I said God will offend your mind to expose the real condition of your heart. Can someone say amen? amen. I'll finish like this. There are three areas. I want to say three. There are three areas. I want to talk about today as a roundup with regards to offense. Number one, offended by your spouse. In Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27, it says, Be angry, but do not sin. Do not give a foothold to the enemy, neither let the sun go down on your wrath. Be angry. No, nowhere does the Bible say don't get angry. Nowhere. But the Bible said don't sin. There's nothing wrong in being angry. But that's when to be careful what comes out next. <laughs> be angry, but sin not. Do not give a foothold to the enemy. Let me help you with that. Do you know how you give a foothold to the enemy? When you keep the offense. You're giving a foothold to the enemy into your life. And what the enemy wants to do is to completely come into your life and still kill and destroy. John 10.10, 10. is that correct? But the enemy cannot come in fully until you hold on to offense and you carry it. And you just hold on to it. And you keep it. In your relationship with your spouse, you must learn to deal with it the same day. Many that are sitting here today or come through my counseling session with them when they were preparing to get married will tell you, I told them, look into the eyes of your wife or husband-to-be. And I want you to make this commitment to them. I will resolve it. No matter what happens, we will resolve it before we go to bed. I had them look in the eyes of one another. I told that to you, Sam and Diana. I said, look in the eyes. I told that to you, Brother Chica and Angel. Look in the eyes. I told that to... Uh, 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 what's her name again? Frida and uh, Brother Ade. I told that to Cyril and, and Damaris. Look in the eyes of your wife or your husband-to-be and say these words. I, we, I will deal with it before we sleep. Because if you don't, you're going give to give a foothold to the devil. Into your family, into your home, into your life. And the devil does not come. I said it and people laughed and I say it again. The devil never comes to drink tea and coffee with you. The devil comes to destroy. The devil comes to steal. The devil comes to, to kill. I don't, look, I'm believing for big things. I, I'm not going to give the enemy access into my life to hinder me from coming into the fullness of the plan of God. I am sorry would not take anything from you. It won't. Please forgive me. Will not take anything away from you. It is that pride that is killing you. Please forgive me. 
It don't matter who is right or wrong. I'm right. You said this to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're just being a baby. Grow up. In marriage, you cannot win your spouse. In an argument, the moment you thought you've won, you've lost. We try to present our case. Yeah, but this is how it happened. This is what I said. You, you do all of that. At the end of the day, you, you feel, I won the argument. But you've lost your spouse. You don't win. You win together, you lose together. If you get pre preparing to get married, listen now, I'm giving you... I'm, this is a big marriage counseling right now. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Because I, you, you, you talk to people about this in privacy when you're preparing them for marriage. And then you, you, you find out. I got a call. This was some time ago. Uh, the brother said, Pastor, Pastor. I said, what? Come now. Come. I said, I'm not coming. Come now to do what? Come now. Because I'm hearing there's a fight in the background. Come now. No, I'm not coming. You bring your wife to my office and see me. Don't tell me to come. I'm not coming. Now, some people think that the pastor is a firefighter. <laughs> come now, come now. Come now for what? Why didn't you call me when you guys cooked dinner and everything was fine? Why did you call me, Pastor, come now for dinner? We just cooked this very nice delicacy. Can you come? And then we can talk. Why didn't you call me when you were going on a vacation? Why didn't you call me when... Uh... Now there was a fight, you calling me. Pastor is a fire brigade. A firefighter, he comes to quench the fire, and sometimes our job is like that, and I understand. But on that day, I said, No, I'm not coming. You come with your wife, Pastor. Come now, come now, come now. No, you you learn to resolve it with your spouse, both of you, don't let it get out the window. Both of you deal with it. You heard our story. I've told the story many times. For those of you who haven't heard it, let me tell you. My wife and I had a fight. Not a boxing fight. Word. Word fight. You know, you fight with words. We just got married first year. When you... And then you... I'm the man. <laughs> Sometimes that's what the men do. I'm the man. Listen. Your headship at home is for leadership. Not for control. And a leader leads by example. You are not the head to tell your wife, go and lie down, get up, go do, no, no. You are the head to lead. 
It's getting quiet now. You are the head with regards to making right decisions that will favor your family. You are the head, meaning that you are the one that makes sacrifices. Wife, submit. Wives don't submit because you tell them to. Wives submit because you love them. Wives submit because you care for them. Wives submit because you respect her. Get rid of the chauvinistic attitude. I'm the man. Get rid of this macho man behavior. I'm the man. Be humble. The Bible does not just say wives submit to your husbands. In actual fact, in Ephesians 5, the Bible says submit to one another in love. So husband is to submit to his wife too. That one person said amen. Praise God. <laughs> no, I don't have time to, to go into all the details, but that's the way it works. Husbands submit to their wives also. Go read. It's Ephesians chapter 5. Amen. You submit to her, she submits to you. It's, it's mutual. Praise God. That's how you have peace at home. Joy at home. Learn to say, I am sorry. These are three powerful words. I am what? The next thing is, can you forgive me and wait to hear I forgive you? So you don't say, I'm sorry, but um, no but. <laughs> no but. The moment you say, I'm sorry, it, it stops there. No but. There's no reason. No excuse. And all the husbands say, amen. amen. Just one husband said, amen. So. I think that's enough. That's good for me. Praise God. Amen. No. I suppose I, suppose I bring it this way today because most times when messages like this come, it's always about the women do this, women do that, women do this, women submit, women obey, women cook. Women have children. Women do. It's all about women, women, women. Why is the pressure on women? Why is the pressure on women? Women must, women must. Why is the pressure on women? Men are the leaders. I mean, husbands, I'm supposed to say. Sorry to, that I said men. Not men. You don't lead my wife. You don't lead someone else's wife. You lead your own wife. <laughs> Only your wife. Husbands are the leaders. In the home. Praise God. Hallelujah. Husbands, love your wives as Christ. <laughs> as Christ loved the church 
That is your yardstick. Tell someone that's your yardstick. Does not say husbands love your wives as you feel. Husbands love your wives when you feel like doing so, when you want to. No, he said husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. It shows us how Christ loved the church by giving himself to the church. So, husbands ought to love their own wives as themselves. Amen. And then he says, wives, submit to your husband. As the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives see that they are subject to their own husbands in all things. So when an issue happens in the house, that's not when to tell your husband his history. Because that's the problem with some women. They tell you your history. Tell you where they met you. Be quiet. Women, be still and know that, <laughs> that he is Lord. No, really. No, if, look, if you, for, for you to have peace, wives, listen. You want to have peace at home? Just whenever there is an issue, just be quiet. Hold back. Hold. If you can hold back, just watch. Everything will calm down. Just hold back. Just quiet. Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. But it's not easy. I know. That's why I'm teaching it. <laughs> just, just hold back. Just put a gag. Put, put, put something over my mouth. I'm, I'm not going to say nothing right now. If you would say anything, if you would say anything, just say, honey, I love you. Not easy. Not easy. I know. I know. I know, I know. Not very hard. Very hard on the flesh. But it can be done. Can someone shout praise God? Praise God. <laughs> Amen. So you, you have that. Offended by your spouse. Number two, offended towards church leadership. With all honesty, I, I think this is one of the most difficult to deal with. The closer, listen to this carefully, the closer you get to the leadership of a church, whether as an assistant pastor, an associate pastor, an elder, a staff member, listen to this now, the more you have to keep your heart clean on a regular basis. Let me say that again. The closer you get to the leadership of a church, whether as an assistant pastor, an associate pastor, an elder, a staff member, the more you have to keep your heart clean on a regular basis. Because when you get close, you begin to see the inner workings of the church. 
end, there is a possibility that your leader might say something that you did not expect to hear. Now, don't get me wrong when I talk about this. I, I'm totally against a leader flaunting a life of sin. We're not talking about the leader who's living a life of sin and just, no, if a leader of a ministry is living a life of sin, I tell you, you have the right to check out. Oh, you have the right to check out. I'm sorry, I can't continue to drink from this fountain. This fountain is polluted, and I don't want my life to be polluted. So if the leader is running around and living a life of sin, committing all kinds of sin and just flaunting, no. We, we, you have the right to say, if you are in a church like that, uh, thank you. You don't judge the pastor. Don't judge him. But you leave. You have the right to leave. Because what, what you're drinking is filthy. I've told people, be careful who lays hands on you. Because you don't know where those hands have been. You don't want everybody laying hands on you. They might be passing some devils across to you. So if they've been touching the wrong stuff, if they've been messing with the wrong stuff, you, you don't, they don't need to lay hands. I'm, I'm, you leave. You just leave that place. So that's an extreme case. But when the, the man of God or the woman of God or the leadership of the church are genuinely in love with Jesus and they fear God, but they do make mistakes sometimes. Is that right? That's why when you get close to them on a constant basis, you have to keep your heart clean. You have to. It, it's, it's required. Because if you're not careful, the enemy will get in. What others in the congregation don't see, you see. Come on now. Now, do you understand what I'm saying here? Don't, 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 don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying the pastor is living a life of sin. I'm just saying there are stuff. Right? I mean, even with the staff, I rebuke them sometimes. And they've said to me, the way you rebuked us, da, 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 da. okay. We have to resolve that. I've been here longer than everybody. I've been with Pastor Corey, Pastor Rose for 20 years. And if, if anyone tells you, or if I tell you that we've not had opportunities to be offended, him with against me, I against him, Pastor Rose against me, I against Pastor Rose, Pastor Priscilla against Pastor Rose, many, many. But we come through them. No, we come through them. I'm not going to let that stop me. My relationship with God. Possibility of going to the lake of fire. Because of one. Hey, they did this to me. They said that. Are you kidding me? When it's all said and done. When you stand before Jesus in heaven. It's all worth it. It's all worth it. At the end of the day. I make it to heaven. It's all worth it. Come on now, say amen. amen. But you end up in the lake of fire. Hey. Because, no, because if you fail to forgive, you would not be forgiven. 
We have to be very careful about these things. Search your heart. Say, Lord, David at one time said, I don't even know my heart. Lord, show me. Because that's the way to pray. Lord, show me. Show me. Is there anything in me? Is there anything? Am I carrying anything in me against my leaders? Against my... Yeah, Lord, show me. I don't have examples here to give you. And if I start giving you examples, we're not going to live here today. I, I resolved in my heart, this was years ago, I said, I will take the side of my pastor all the time. Because I know them. I've gone to places and uh, they try to open up subjects about them. You do not say anything about my pastor. You shut up now. Shut up. We are not going to discuss that. It will, not, it will not happen. Not while I'm here. I don't care what you want to say. Oh, but I need an advice. No, go straight to him and talk to him. Don't come to me for advice. Because sometimes what people call advice is just an opportunity to gossip. Getting quiet now. The last, number three, offended with a brother or a sister. We don't want that here. We are a family. The Bible says, wherever there is strife, there is all forms of confusion and every kind of evil. No strife here. We can't have brothers fighting brothers, sister fighting sisters. We can't have brother fighting sister, sister fighting brother. It will not be con condoned here. That's why I'm bringing the word. That should not happen. I'll, I'll Go First Corinthians chapter 6 and we'll finish with that. First Corinthians 6. First Corinthians. Are you getting blessed today? Amen. Thank you. I like that response. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 and we'll read from verse 1. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to, uh, go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no, there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother. And that before unbelievers? To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? You know in some cases that's what you need to do. Allow yourself to be defrauded. Just suffer wrong. Okay. For the sake of peace. I take responsibility. 
that's what you need to do sometimes, people. I take responsibility. I had a situation many years ago. And I've taken, I took responsibility. Totally misunderstood. I took responsibility. When the brother thought, the brother thought I had reported his case to Pastor Corey. This was years, years ago. Did not even know. Did not even know it was his wife that came to report. Because he was messing up. I thought I did. Wrote me a text and fighting with me. And I go to his house. His wife was sitting there. I said, look, let's resolve this. Did not. I took responsibility to have peace in the house. Till today, he doesn't have an idea. I didn't say nothing. Allow yourself to be defrauded sometimes to have peace. Not everyone would do it. Oh, I'm going to defend myself. You're going to defend yourself, but you're going to ruin the much bigger picture. Take responsibility. Suffer wrong for a season. They look at you that way, but God does not look at you that way. And it's not what people think about me that matters. It's what God thinks about me that matters. Till today. So about 10 years. Did not even know. I took it. Take it. Could not change anything. In actual fact, it would change something. It will cause God to just bring increase to your life. Praise God. And it will cause you to grow through it. You're looked upon as, oh, look at what he did. Uh, and his fight, he was fighting me. I said, hey, bro, it's okay, man. Let's, you know, let's have peace, basically. And there I was covering for him. <laughs> the culprit. <laughs> Praise God. Someone say amen. amen. No, I said it before. If anyone told you, you know, become a Christian, everything will be a bed of roses. That's a lie. You don't, you don't become a Christian for everything to work smoothly. The moment you become a born-again believer, you want to serve God, you, you operate at a much higher standard. You walk at a much higher road. The highway is the only way. No compromises. You, you're going to live at that level and obey God and do what God wants. And ultimately, you want your life to bring glory to God. That's how this thing works. Can someone say amen? amen. yourself to be defrauded. Just say, look, it's okay. I'm, 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 I take responsibility. Let's have peace. That's what Abraham did. He took his brother, uh, his, his nephew Lot. He, he, he was not obligated to take him, but he did. And then sometime on the journey, they began to have issues. Abraham, the, 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 the uncle, the, the, the older man, the, the one with the promise, he humbled himself. He went to Lot. He said, my brother, let's not have strife. Let's not have strife. Let's make peace. Who do you think was supposed to make the move? Lot, the younger one. 
But the other one said, let's make peace. And let's not have strife. Okay, you know what we'll do, my brother? You see, the land is big. Where do you want? Choose. You choose first. Ah. I thought the other one should choose first. No, the older one said, you choose first. You choose. Where do you want to go to? Um, the younger one was so disrespectful. He was supposed to say, no, uncle. No, 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 no. Uncle, no. You choose first. Correct? But he chose. The stupidity of some people. The lack of reverence that some people have. You are, you are in, you, don't you know who you are standing before? Don't you have a revelation of who this man is? This is a prophet. This is a man of God. This is the father of many nations. This is a man with the promise. How dare you choose before him? He chose. I'll choose that place. Okay, go. Because you know, the Bible says, when he looked, he saw that the place was green and lush. Now go there. So he gave Abraham the unpleasant place. But you see what God does. The unpleasant place that Abraham got was where God blessed him. Look, at the end of the day, God settles the score. Period. That's the, at the end of the day, God settles account. He does. He, I'm not, we're not standing before the, the, the court of a man. We stand before the court of Almighty God. He will settle the, the whole thing. If you feel someone is mistreating you, they're doing you bad, love them, forgive them, release them, let God take care of you. Praise God. My God, I thought someone would be rejoicing on that one. Praise God. And look at what God did with Abraham. Look at how God blessed him. Look at how God raised him up. But Lot, Lot, look at what happened. Look at what happened. He lost everything. He lost, even his wife became a pillar of salt. His own wife. He lost everything. He lost all the stuff. He, this is a good place. He went there, he lost everything. But the man who followed God lost nothing. Instead, he experienced increase. Can someone shout praise God? So, dealing with offense is vital. Amen. Very important. This is so very important that we don't allow anything stop what God is doing in our lives. The process is on. Let's allow the process continue. Amen. And let's come into the fullness of what God has for each of us. Can someone say amen? amen. Praise God.